last time on Temporal Storm, our heroes met a bunch of people from Kimchi Land and Kimchi Landia and Kimchi Proper. And Kimchi Durian. And Kimchi Durian. And Stinkiness. Hydra became the hero of the people through some aid from his friends. Read a lot of hell. And inspired the people to take on Dr. Doom themselves. Because that's intelligent. He led the charge. They took down five of the Sinister Six, the elite Doom Guards. Black Cat was the only survivor. We all know why. <laughs> well, I must say, it's just a beautiful thing when a woman finds another woman. Anyway. Equally into leather. Yes. Also whips. Whips and leather, yeah. And then Dr. Doom showed up, informed everyone who was conscious that they had done a horrible thing and killed a lot of people because he was going to have to drop them for rebellion. He also informed a certain henchman of Magnus that he was now going to need new Doom Guards and he knew where to look. And there was an object that he wanted from Asgard brought to him. That's he correct. Informed Jewel that if Jewel doesn't bring him said object, Jewel won't have to worry about her soul anymore. And which she still now bears the demon mark upon her chest. Which... No, no, it's not upon her chest. I'm sure it's, it's right fine. above her belly button. No, this isn't a belly no. button tattoo. It is right on your collarbone. It's like easy for everybody to see. It's going to burn hot every single time I mean, you go away from... I see, I imagine you more in the actual Avalon suit that Magneto had all of the, uh, the, uh... Um, I'm not familiar with that suit. It was purple with a red V across the front of it. Okay. It was the one that all the acolytes had to wear. Colossus wore it for a period of time when he worked for Magneto when his sister died. I, I'll show it to you at some point. It's a pen. That was, that was my preferred brotherhood suit. So that's where I've been picturing you. All right. As long as you let me see that picture, that's then we can be on the same page. Yeah, I'll let you be on the same page. I just figured you could do it like that. No, but, no. <laughs> all right. So, anyway, yeah, y'all are all traveling in the uh, smart skimmer through what Doom opened up, which was basically uh, a wormhole into a parallel realm, another dimension, a higher realm, the realm of, of Asgard. And you see a floating um, chunk of land, basically, just like a chunk of earth just came up, and that's all that's left. It's floating out there. Golden castles, top of it. 
just shining in the distance and you could tell that there were three decaying corpses chained to the top of the, the castle as a welcoming sign of, you know, don't mess with us, heads on a spike kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we left off. So, uh, where we're at now, that's where we're going to start this week, this session, we're going to call uh, The Land of Ice and Snow. Welcome. Yay. So, starting off. So basically, as you're coming through the vortex, uh, your, your skimmer's like, ready. Like, it's just shaking through this vortex. It's not really built for this kind of thing. And uh, Force, Hydro, and Jewel are all just like white knuckling through this thing. And as you come through and you notice in the distance, there's basically this chunk of asteroid with a castle atop of it. And you're like, well, I know exactly where we need to go. This is, this is the spot. Uh, it's not going to be too hard to find. And then the, a glint kind of seems to appear from it. Almost as if you saw the reflection off of a sniper scope or something like that. that just this glint and then all of a sudden it just this beaming force of light coming at you and it damages the skimmer so badly it starts to shake apart and explodes and as it is exploding force manages to encapsulate all of you inside of a, a field a barrier to protect you from the explosion and from the dangers of what could be outer space and as she does this, she's pulled backwards into the vortex from which you just came. And you two are thrown towards the asteroid, towards Asgardia. Both of you separating along the way with Hydro crashing into a frozen mountainside and Jewel crashing into the side of the Golden Kingdom itself. Hmm. Um, at this point, you're both unconscious and you have no wherewithal, you don't know what's going on, you don't have control over your situation. You don't know how long time has been going on, you don't know how much time has passed, but you start to come to. Now, we're going to start with Jewel here. Uh, as you begin to come to, you realize that you are laying in what is an extremely comfortable bed, surrounded in silk sheets, uh, Egyptian cotton, I mean, just the whole nine yards, you want to go as far as you want to, as far as the regal uh, treatment, okay? So you're waking up, you notice that you're just surrounded by baskets of fresh fruit, uh, a pail of water to drink from, sheets, everything is just to your liking. Uh, probably for the first time in your entire life, you've had this kind of treatment. Um, and meanwhile, you hear a knock at the door, and on the other side, uh, you hear the voice of very gravelly, tough voice, just like a, you can tell it's a large man, and who's asking you, may I enter? One moment. As she checks to make sure she's at least partially covered, aka she has at least her underwear on. She would actually position herself in a 
slightly seductive pose on the very front edge of the bed with an apple from the basket of fruit as she says, enter. And the door creaks open and in comes a large armored bald man with two tattoos ranging down both sides of his temples who carries a battle axe, double-sided battle axe. He enters and he says, I, I see you've woken. Yes, I have. Well, uh, you can put my clothes on. Where we're going, you might want to present yourself a little bit more formally. The leader of this place wants to see you. This place? Where am I? You're in the kingdom of Asgardia. I am the executioner of Scourge. And you are being formally requested to appear before our, our lord or our ruler. That's because I am. Handsome. I cannot what my face looks like. It could be torn from my skull as long as I win the day and kill all of us. Mm. I'd like to see a man like you up here next to me. Get dressed. I'll be outside waiting for you. All right, all right. Give a woman a few moments, won't you? You have ten minutes. He leaves the room, leaving you to your Figured you only need three. To your time to get dressed. So, uh, basically, I guess get yourself in order. Uh, yeah. You're gonna come out of the room once you've put on your apparel. Is it my standard clothing, like the wash clothing just set aside for me, or? Oh no, you've got like Asgardian robes, man. You've got like uh, one million cross stitch, whatever knit weave whatever crap they tell you Bath and Body Works, but times a million on the silken woven cotton pure blend stuff. You know, just nice. New uniform from that one. Nice robes, good uh, good leather, um, good boots and everything. Good leather too? Mm, thank you. Of course. Oh, Asgard's all into their leather and their, their buckles and their armor plating. Uh, so he's going to, you're basically going to come out and then he's going to follow me and you're going to start walking down a corridor, a really big, long corridor, and you're, you're going to start to look around and notice there's not a whole lot of people. You're not hearing the bristle of activity. You're not seeing anybody around. Um, and as you're going down the corridor, you enter into a large throne room. And on the throne, you notice somebody in green garb sitting upon the throne with a large golden crown with hookback uh, ram horns coming off the top of it. And as you walk in, you see them, and Scourge announces you and says, Your guest is here and dressed for your liking, Lord Mistress Loki of Asgard. And as, she, as he says that, you see a beautiful uh, raven-haired woman underneath all of this armor plating and, and uh, robing. And, but for some reason, the glint in her eye just lets you know you're not exactly safe where you're at. Mm -hmm. uh, but as she raises her head, she looks at you and says, It is good to finally see you have woken from your slumbers. It is nice to have you here. We're always welcoming of guests. Why, thank you, Lord Mistress. It was lucky, right? 
Lord Mistress Loki. And she she bows very uh, uh, formally to what she would do. And, like, as far as she would almost go to one knee, but she'd stop just before that one knee. Hits nice little curtsy. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not curtsy. Like, almost almost a full down-to-knee bow. Yeah. But just before that, that knee hits the ground, she'd stop and hold it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's well, well the, the full knee would be for Lord Magnus, so she, in her mind, it, she's putting this person almost as high as she would put her own lord in respect. And what brings you to my kingdom? Well, I'm traveling. I was sent here by a man who gave me this curse. And she'd show the, the little symbol on it. And he said I must retrieve an item. So you're just going to go ahead and let Loki know full better. Just let all the cats out to it. Yeah, um, but I, I would. She, she's going to try and spin it to where it seems like she's forced into doing this. It's not something she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but because she serves another master and her master told her to do uh, a certain project that needs help from the guy who gave this curse to get her original project done. So, essentially, she's forced into an additional slavery. And so, Loki Loki looks at you with her beautiful emerald eyes and says, And who is the master that you serve? The master I serve is Lord Magnus. Eric? You serve Eric? Yes, I do serve Mr. Lord Eric Lincher, my Lord Magnus. Is he still on about being the king of his people? Um, he is the king of his people, for those who truly wish to be free on our earth. <laughs> Serving under Magnus, and you call that freedom? That tyrant at, at play? Well, I guess for those who are unknowledgeable, there are many pleasures in this world. Well, for the time being, you are in Asgardia, and Asgardia, I am the Lord and Mistress of all that you see, so I am the Master that you serve here. You are not here to obey any demon curses. You are not here to steal from me. And if I find out that you are, losing your soul to Victor is the very least of your worries. Because I will keep you alive. And I will keep you in a realm of hell for the rest of your days if you even think of betraying me. Now I betray such a humble and gracious what a good silver tongue you have. It matches my own. I love it. Scourge, take her and feed her whatever she wants. Keep her in the kingdom. We will make sure that this one learns well from me. I see potential in you. Well, I'd love to learn from one of the greatest. So she'll just basically wave her hand to shoo you away, but as you're turning, you do catch some of the light in the room 
illuminating more of this dark chamber, and then you notice that there are several, several decaying corpses throughout the room. Each of them, some of them wearing as guardian armor, but one in particular catches your eye that is just kind of cast aside behind the throne with a, a golden patch over its, its eye, but it is just burnt, charred skull remains of, of whoever it was that once sat in that throne that sits there no longer. So as you're leaving the room, he's going to take you back along the corridor and you may want to see more, or maybe some stables or outside or what's going on in this kingdom. And he says, you're going to go exactly where you're supposed to go, which is back to your chamber and you're going to stop asking questions and you're not going to be a problem for Scourge. Scourge cares not for the needs of others, only for the needs of Lord Mistress Loki. Well, can you find uh, someone to help me with my needs? There might be a dire wolf roaming around outside somewhere. We might throw your excess meat to those wolves. Scourge. It's so funny. Use your chamber. Go in and be quiet and don't be a problem for me. For now. He's going to close. You're going to notice, I mean, like, as he closes the door, it's got that... There's just all these locks and bolts going on. You know you are not to free roam. This is, this is your new prison cell. It's a matter of the comfort that you have. But as you're sitting there on the side of the bed, you notice that the emblem on your chest... Is burning hotter yeah. now that you're in this room. There are certain places where it's almost like a beacon. You're, you're feeling like a vibration in your chest. You're feeling the burning on your skin. You know that you're close to something, but you don't know how to get out. You don't know how to get to it, but you know you're very close to whatever it is that your objective is. Okay. All right. So uh, in this room, though, there is one large window. No bars, no glass, just curtains. They leave you there, locked behind this door. <coughs> um, I guess the first thing she would do is she would look around for anything. Well, does she have her uh, her metal disc? Is it in this room by any chance? Um. Your gear is in a, uh, what do you call it, like a large armoire. Mm -hmm. your, your uniform is hanging there, your gear is hanging there, the glider okay. and the uh, capacitor. Okay. Um, then, yeah, first thing I'm going to do is um, I'm going to adjust my gear a little bit. I'm going to tear off some of the uh, old Magnus Avalon robes. I like to feel these nice cottons. And so I'm just going to have just the old, the V part from the Avalon um, robe. And that's just going to sit on top of what I have from these Asgardian robes. And then I'm going to take my, my disc and the flux capacitor. I'm going to put that onto my, my belt, I would say. And then hop on my disc using my electro uh, magnetic powers. I'm going to try to. Uh, go out the window 
and try to let this um, this curse seal um, help me locate what I'm here for. Okay, so basically as you come out the window, uh, you notice that the gravity is a lot different outside than inside. Inside you kind of felt like in a natural realm, uh, something you were used to, but outside, as soon as you enter the outside, something is just pulling down on you extremely fast. You're feeling the weight of this world on you. This is a small chunk of land that keeps itself together somehow. So this, this large gravimetric force is just pulling you straight down towards the ground in a hurry. Um, but as you're getting closer, more of your electromagnetic abilities will take over and you'll stop yourself just before you hit the jagged spikes below you. And, it, you know, you look around, you do hear noises. You don't see people. You don't really see animals, but you do see shadows moving about, maybe some snickering, some glistening, what may be eyes in the, in the cracks and crevices of the castle and underneath it. Um, but you do notice there's a large uh, crag, a crack, a crevice underneath the castle uh, opening. And that's you're getting a bad feeling from it, but that's where your emblem, your, your cursed seal, is burning really hot now. Like okay. you're getting warmer. Alright, um, again, staying on my disc uh, and using my powers, I will advance to it to, in the direction of. Of that crack. Okay. So basically, um, I guess you could use some sparks or something to light your way. Uh, yeah. Maybe you have a flashlight in your old utility belt or something. Uh, but basically, you're lighting your way into the uh, into the corridor that leads underneath the castle, the canyon. Uh, but more and more now, you are hearing what it sounds like whispers. And jeers and uh, snickers, you just kind of hearing it all around you, almost like flies buzzing around a corpse. Can I make out anything of what they're saying? It doesn't sound like a language that you speak. Okay. It does sound humanoid, but it doesn't sound like a language you know or speak. Well, if these whispers would only speak American English from Earth, it'd be great to know what you're saying. Otherwise, can we continue the direction I'm going? You travel down. You can feel the, the angle of the Earth tilting downwards towards whatever slope you're going towards. But now it is like your flesh is on fire. So you are extremely close to wherever it is you're going. Um, but the closer you get, the more your light doesn't seem to work. It's almost like true black around you uh, has just absorbed light like a dark star. You can't emit enough to get yourself towards illumination. And that's when you do hear the crack of a dry, hoarse voice that says, Midgard, you come from Midgard. If that is what you call Earth, yes. It is what the educated would call it. It has always been Midgard since the Nine Realms first came into being. Well, I apologize for, uh... What's, what's the word? Huh? Yes. I apologize 
to my ignorance. Mm. I've never heard of nine realms. Then you haven't heard much about life, little girl. Let Malachith tell you all about it, as you are surrounded by the dark souls of the elves who once ruled this chunk of dirt. Well, educate me. I'd love to learn. Well, first, let me teach you this. Anything you've learned since you got here is misdirection. The Asgardians died here. They all died here. All of my brothers and sisters, the elves that once ruled this chunk of dirt, were slain so the Asgardians could take it from us. But they died all the same. Only one remains, and he remains a loyal servant under that wretched, blue-blooded, Demon. Blue Demon? Who hast thou referring to? The Lofi son, Loki. Son, you say? Oh, of course. The trickster comes in many garbs, and each of them is designed specifically to trick you. Point well taken. What else? When Such the as how the Asgardians seem to pass. Once upon a time, the Asgardians were defended by a great royal family. A family I myself tried to murder relentlessly throughout my life. But Odin and his son, the god of thunder, proved far too worthy opponents for me. But... For all the force they had to expend, they must also recharge themselves. Odin himself would have to enter a slumber that would last for days, weeks, months, years, just to replenish the energies that it took to be the king of the gods. But during that time, the force giants and their blue-blooded bastard that snuck his way into Asgard, they infiltrated and slayed very, very many Asgardians before the Chosen Son returned with his large hammer and his bolstering lightning and threatened to kill them all. But that, that is the mystery that we have all sought the answer to because that was the day that the Son of Thunder fell and was no longer worthy. And all of the Asgardians that tried to protect him died in this place. And now they decorate this castle. They're and their innards and their bones and their rotten flesh. Everywhere. Well, that which we have not eaten to sustain ourselves. So God of Thunder, you say? Hmm. say that his corpse was rotting in this place. I merely said that he became unworthy. If you seek he, you follow the right path. But if you do in fact find him, 
Be very wary, because your mortal soul is at stake. Ever since he went to Midgard and ran into the king that would be, he has not been the same god of old. What king did he run into? The monster with the smiling face. The one who would destroy all to put himself above the rest. Smiling face. You have any better description? I do believe that the ways of metal bend before him. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not sure who that could be. Where might I find this god of thunder you spoke of? Brothers! Sisters! Clear the way! This foolish wretch seeks the Odin son. As he says this, you see it's almost like hands and shadows of bodies moving out of your way, and there is now a rocky corridor with, with torches guiding the way. You can see now. What you were surrounded by were the souls of the Dark Elves. And Malekith himself, now you can see him in one side of his body is just horrifically burned and scarred, and the other half is still young and happy. But the crazy eyes, they will haunt you probably for the rest of your days. That look in his eyes just will never leave you. But you, you can now continue on down the corridor uh, to what appears to be a large iron, wood, stone, anything you can think of that you would put to block a path, to build a barrier to keep someone out. This, this is it that you have now come to. And at that moment, I'm going to go ahead and put you into remission. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go ahead and cut over to the frozen wastes on the outskirts of Asgardia where our good friend and hero Hydra crash-landed into the side of a snow-covered mountain. Um, and as he comes to, uh, there's this warm feeling on the side of his face and, uh, and this cold wetness at the same time until he starts to realize there is a large dog-like creature licking the side of his face. Sniffing at him. Okay. Uh, as he comes to. Do, does it seem friendly? Well, it's not eating you. Yeah. No. Not yet. Then I'm gonna try and pet it. It gets kind of skittish. It jumps away and, and makes a little whimper. And that's when you notice that it is a, uh, it's a wolf of some kind. But the, the front right paw extremely mangled and damaged. Does it look recent? It is fresh, but at the same time frozen over. Um, hmm. Can I try like basically cooling off? Basically try to heal his foot? If you want to summon, um, let's go ahead and try a roll for... I have the healing rain. Go for clever. Okay. Roll off that for me. Six. 
So basically, you're going to come both of your hands around his paw. You're going to try and soothe it at the same time. And, and within your palms, you're going to create a miniature healing rain, uh, one of your talents. And, and that's when the wolf is going to realize that it feels better. You're doing this. And it looks at you, and it's very happy. It, it, you've just made yourself a very good friend. But basically, you look around in all directions, and all you see is mountain, all you see is snow, all you see is ice, yeah. and this this wolf. I'm gonna tell the wolf that it's cold here. Where would you suggest I go? Basically, just talk to the dog. The wolf looks at you and goes, <laughs> and just starts running in one direction towards. Uh, the downward slope of this mountain that you're on. I'm gonna do my best to follow. All right, so uh, you basically just staying right behind him. You notice that you're coming onto an on-cave of trees, large frozen ice-covered trees. The icicles hanging from the branches on these trees actually look like you could break them off and use them as javelins. They are so dense and large. Um, but the wolf, guides you right into the narrow, narrow corridors into this, this wooded area. Okay. All right. And so um, I'm assuming you're going to choose to follow, I continue follow following. Him. All right. So as you get in further, that's, that's when you start to feel the ground shake and the wolf yelps and whines and whimpers and starts to curl, uh, hurry back and curl up behind you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look around to see if I can figure out What's causing the ground shakes? Um, and as you look, it looks like some of the trees are swaying mm -hmm. a little or moving until you realize they're not trees. These are large legs moving right toward you. And as you look up through the brush and, and foliage, you notice that there is a gigantic blue-skinned, uh, man walking towards you. He's got uh, large piercings through almost every hole in his head. He's got these glowing blue tattoos across his skin and what appears to be, you can only imagine what the size of a woolly mammoth he should have skinned in order to make these uh, garments for himself. But very barbaric looking uh, individual with blood red eyes and blue skin. Seems like something I would want to be armored before it hit me. So I'm going to activate my ice armor. Okay. And try to get its attention so that it doesn't stomp me by accident. Well, how would you want to get his attention? Do you want to like yell at him or call out to him, threaten him? Call out, Hail Giant! He begins to come to a halt, and he looks down, and he sees this small ice creature and a, a dire wolf huddled behind him. And he, he bellows out, and it almost shakes you to your core when he begins to talk. Ah, oh, look at this! A baby ice giant! What happened? Did someone shrink you down with the mystical magics? 
I'm the size I've always been. This is how I was born. Your mother must have been malnourished. Come! Ride upon my shoulders. You can get farther faster with me, little friend. Perhaps could I take my friend with me? You wish to bring your food along, too? He has been a good ally. Strange, but when you get hungry, I'm sure he'll be delicious. Come, we all go to meet Yemia. He sounds important. That is almost as important as Lofi himself. Oh, I look forward to meeting him. All right, so basically you can climb onto his back. The wolf, <laughs> I guess you can hold in your arms. Um, yeah, just like grab onto the scruff and keep him hanging on while you're hanging on to the scruff of whatever woolly mammoth carcass he used yeah. to make his clothing. He just begins to gallop. I think would only be the word to use for a giant running um, gallop through these wooded areas. And you're, you're just quickly moving out of this frozen forest off into the distance into these two large, um, it's like ice plateaus, but between them is a, a canyon. And he begins to run into that canyon. You see more and more of his kind. Each of them similar but different. Some with large beards. Some with more piercings. And some with large uh, axes carved out of old bones from maybe their dead or the dead of things that they've slain. But sitting in between the canyon is this large, old, and very wise-feeling uh, giant that sits there as he comes to a halt and he says, Ymir, look what I found, a funny little frost giant with no size about him. He says his mother put him out into the world this way. He's always been it. It's not magical mystics or nothing. Ah, Narl, you have brought before me an amazing find. Set him down at my feet so that I may talk to this strange little frost creature. Alright. I'm gonna allow him to set me down. That'd be a good idea. Try to gracefully get off. Yeah. Try not to stumble and, and fall on your face. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming the wolf stays close to me. Yeah, he's not going a whole, whole lot of ways from you. He's, he's staying right up on your butt. Cool. <laughs> Hello there, little frost creature. What brings you to the humble abode of the Jotun? Uh, there was an explosion of some sort, and my skyship fell out of the sky, and I just awoke here not long before I was found. You speak of that horrific flame that happened in the night sky over a fortnight ago? Yes. And you came really that long ago. Thirteen, fourteen, I can't remember how many suns I've seen pass since that happened. That is distressing. And you've been here this entire time, surviving on your own. Well, I 
did have the help of my small friend here. Fooled friend. Call it what you may, it's yours. We'll let you claim it. It's too tiny to give me sustenance anyway. He is the one who led me to you. So, I am grateful to him for the aid. And from where do you come, my friend? I come from a place called... Uh, where was I from? Mississippi, I guess? Oh, yeah, I think so. I come from a place called Mississippi. Mississippi? Yes. And this Ippy lady, she's nice. Never met her, but... And Mr. Ippy doesn't tell her what to do? It's... Mississippi is a state. Oh, a state of being, a state of mind, I understand. You're one of those philosophical things. You think a lot. Sometimes. Ah, well I do too. I think that is all I have time to do here in the frozen waste ever since everything died. So, is this Switzerland? Switzerland who? This is Jotunheim, what's left of it patched together with Asgard, patched together with Niflheim. These are the remainder of the realms all stitched together on one floating chunk of debt. As you is talking. I'm gonna see if I actually. I'm gonna start to actually remember that we were going somewhere other than Earth. Right. Whenever the explosion happened, and I'm assuming that my character doesn't really know too much about Asgard. <laughs> um, you know, maybe some some folk stories that you may have heard when you were a child, some myth. Yeah. Read some comics, some legends, maybe a movie or two. Yeah. So, I'm probably going to go ahead and allow the armor to uh, kind of dissipate over time while we're while he and I are talking. Strange little man, your ice, it seems to be withering. What is wrong with you? Uh, I can only maintain the armor for so long, so... Armor? Armor? Yes. My skin, my hide is all I have ever needed to get by in this world, and you, what, you masquerade as one of us? My armor is as much a part of me as anything. Mm. I can just only maintain it for so long. You do have the blue hair of a, a native-born Jotun. However strange and brittle and tiny you may be. You'll find I am not as brittle as I let on. I would not wish to test that against you, if not necessary. You talk with the confidence of an Asgardian. It's been a long time since I've had the joy and the pleasure to banter back and forth with one of them. 
don't you ever make it down to Asgard to talk to them? There are none left to talk to. Just the bastard son of Lofi lives there. Oh, really? Well, that doesn't sound good. Aye. He used us. He used us well. He came to us and told us that he was in an alliance, a tribunal of sorts, upon this place called Midgard. And in Midgard, he had made an arrangement with two other kings that they could all conquer their equal remaining parts of the worlds and the realms. And he came to us and he promised us, he promised us we would be the kings, we would be what was left, that we would finally destroy and defeat the Asgardians. And do you know what strange little thing? He betrayed you? Nay, he gave us everything we asked for. It just turns out we weren't smart enough to ask for things that would actually entertain us for the rest of time without our only mortal enemy, without anything else to give us any joy or pleasure in this world. This frozen waste is all that's left, and these blue, ugly faces of my brethren are all I have to look at, die in, die out, and Narl over there, he's constantly making smells whenever he eats a new woolly mammoth. This is it. This is all that's left. So sometimes what you wish for and what you get, it's a curse in and of itself. Have you thought of taking up your complaints with the one who left you with them? Ah, he sits in his own little pretty little kingdom all by himself, the king of nothing. I think that he understands these misdirected ideas as well as I. I hear, though, that if you listen carefully, there's still the sound of thunder echoing beneath the grounds of the kingdom. Is there? Aye. Maybe it's just a bad septic system, who knows? But some say, some of us dream that the Lord of Thunder for the Odin son still rests in that place, and if he wakes some day from his slumber, then we may have a great battle before us yet again. Well, that sounds like a worthy goal. It is. Perhaps, a good death. Perhaps you could lead me to this place, and I could oh. see if I could wake him. That's a lot of really big, long steps for me to take, and I do not usually stand up. This is my chair, and where I will rest until the time has come for me to receive a good death. However, I have what ones to, they may call, mystic magic. I have this little bit left in me, and I can make a sprite that can show you. Sounds helpful. And he holds out his hand, and uh, you can see like almost uh, sparks of blue and, and energy start to swirl until this small fairy-like entity of light floats right before you, and it's just humming around. It make all that noise, but just makes this hey. this is annoying, like like the size of a hummingbird, maybe, and the speed of one. Just constantly says, hey, 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 wake. 
So uh, it basically just starts to fly. I'm gonna pet my <coughs> dire wolf and bid adieu as I head off to follow. Very well, small midget-sized thing of ice and flesh. Wake the Thunder God and tell him Ymir waits for him to meet me well. That I will. I am assured. Over my shoulder as I rush off trying to keep up with this thing. So this, is, this small little spray is it, leading you through blizzards and storms and frozen ice lakes and all sorts of stuff until you start to see that you're, after your many hours of, of travel, and their bleeding, bruised feet, you're coming up upon, you can see the golden castle in the distance. Mm -hmm. um, but before you get there, uh, the, the sprite just shoots down into a crack in the ground and starts flying further downward. And you've noticed that if you run up a little bit further, the crevice opens up to where you too can fit into it. Okay. Okay, so you're going to try and follow okay. it down there? Basically. Try to sidle down. Okay. Where it's not too wide, so I can kind of. So as you as you uh, you shimmy your way down into this crevice, you do notice that there is this um, loud noise reverberating throughout the corridor that you that you're climbing into. Just a just constant, almost like the heartbeat of a large giant. Uh, just, it's going off. Um, so as you, as you walk further into this corridor, you notice that um, it smells like rotten flesh, just decaying corpses uh, everywhere around you. Mm -hmm. uh, but that little blue fairy thing is just flying. It is at full speed, hasn't slowed down. It doesn't care what it smells like. It's just it's just traveling on. So you I'm gonna continue following it. Okay. So as as you come upon what seems to be a large frozen solid rock wall. Okay. Okay, so you notice that it is just like solid ice, the kind of ice that you cannot penetrate. It's it's it freezes itself again as you Try to crack it, okay? Mm -hmm. And as you come to that door, I'm going to come back over to Jewel. Jewel, you're you're standing before this wall, this barrier of rock and metal, and you know that whatever's in there, that mark that burns upon your flesh is just searing right now. It is it is screaming at you. You just have to get through this wall. Mm -hmm. All right. Um. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take my, uh, my metal disc and I'm going to actually hit it up against the, the door just so I, I can read through it how much metal there is actually in the door so I can try to grasp how much power I'm going to have to bring up to be able to try to open this door. Okay. Um, Give me a... Uh... Give me a roll off of your flashy tactics uh, to see how well that works out for you. Six. Okay, so basically, um, using your power over uh, 
electromagnetics and knowing that you can basically send out a charge and read back almost like sonar with a bat. It makes a noise and receives back um, how much space or distance it has in front of it. You start to get a sense of how much metal is actually uh, uh, within this, this structure in front of you. And I'd say it's a good 40% metal that you could use that could conduct electricity. Okay. Um, well, I'm not going to try to conduct electricity. What I'm going to try and do is pull all the metal uh, out from it and past me um, with as much oomph as I can so I can try to open this door. Well, how, how would you do that? Because your powers... Um, they rely heavily on electrokinesis and not a whole lot of magnetism. Now, yeah. electromagnetism is a spawn of electrokinesis, yeah. uh, but conducting it through metal would be your primary course. Yeah. I don't know if moving or shifting or manipulating metal has been described as your power. Thus yeah, far. no, it hasn't. Um, well, the way I, I'm planning on doing it is I'm going to judge where the edges of the metal would be. And I'm going to put a positive charge on both sides of it. So essentially, since the two charges can't stay close enough to each other, it forces itself away. Mm -hmm. So eventually, I'm just going to keep moving that charge closer and closer to the door until the door is completely open. Okay. Um, give me a forceful roll. Forceful. Oh, God. All right. And say what? Negative one. Do you want to compel yourself to be stronger? Uh, I, don't, I don't think that tactic's going to work as well. Alright, so uh, basically you're going to shoot up this um, electric charge from your hands and you're going to hear a creak and a groan and then there's just going to be like rubble falling. Uh, but basically all you've managed to do is make a loud reverberating noise throughout the corridor. That's fine. Um, but as you've done that, you hear something scraping on the ground behind you. Just dragging along. I'm sure that's good. Steadily coming toward you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, grab my metal disc and I'm going to put it up against the door. So I can see through the reflective surface of it what's behind me as I prepare um, to send this disc in whatever direction I need to send it in All right. using my electromagnetic So uh, through the rough reflective surface of your disc, you can tell that there, there is a figure approaching you, large, armored, and bald. He's dragging his double-sided battle axe behind him, and he calls out to you, Oi! Little girl! I thought I told you to sit tight and tidy where you were supposed to be. Um, as I'm seeing Scourge, um, she's actually going to flick that disc as fast as she can 
to uh, force it to essentially cut his head off. I'm going to let you roll flashy on that. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to activate metal disc with that. So that's an extra plus two, and I'm going to use um, War Veteran to give it another two. So I'm sitting at nine for this. Before I even roll. Ten? Yeah, I want this to work as best as I can. Where are you at? Ten. ten. Yeah, ten. Okay, so uh, basically, this disc uh, you, you you launched it behind you. And as it closes in towards him, he holds up his double axe right in front of them. And he says, you torturous little! And then it cuts straight through the axe and just buries itself in the middle of his face. I mean, he falls backwards. This disc is just straight into his nasal cat. I mean, it's just like right there, kind of in his face. Something you'd see out of Hellraiser or something like that. And he falls lumbering down and hits the ground with a huge thud. <laughs> well, from what I'm told, he doesn't deserve to be living. Since he humbled himself before an enemy, no Asgardian could do that. Alright, um, so I'll step back from the wall. I'll actually walk over to him. Um, and giving my disc a negative charge, my hands a positive. I mean, um, both of them being a negative charge. I'm gonna make sure it goes all the way through his head before I pull it out. Okay. Just so that way I feel that it went through his head completely. So there's no chance of something. What Weird. would she would call, you know, potentially a mutant ability to happen. Okay. Um, and no then, more hound? Yeah, no yeah. more hound. Um, and then she thinks to herself, to actually use his axe, the metal in his axe, um, that if she kind of turn it into like a free spinning something, she can maybe throw it um, hard enough, fast enough to maybe crack enough of the rock and stuff to where she can better get to the metal to where she can try to force it apart. Sounds like she's trying to be pretty clever. Yeah, but she's being pretty clever. Okay, well, let's roll clever for that. Fuck you guys. It's a zero. Okay, so uh, basically you lift up the what remains of his axe, the double-sided metal, um, and it, it you're trying to charge it, and you're using your uh, fledgling abilities at uh, creating negative and positive charges to make a magnetic effect and it just starts to spin out of control launches straight up to the ceiling and embeds itself in the rock on the ceiling which causes a little bit more of this rubble to fall down almost a not a cave-in effect but what would probably be the precursor of a cave-in No going back. She's got to find a way 
into this door now. All right. While she's thinking about that, I'm going to cut to the other side of the kingdom at this ice wall, this thick barrier where Hydro stands. And like I said, I mean, you just, you're, you're still hearing this thud through the wall. Through the wall. And as you hear it, every time it makes that boom, you see cracks in the ice. And then as soon as you see the cracks in the ice, you see the ice start to freeze and become solid again. Um, I'm going to try and time it to where when the thud hits, mm -hmm. I'm going to blast some steam breath at it. Okay. Try and keep it from freezing back. Uh, give me a, give me a clever roll. Okay. I'll try to be clever with it. Two. Two. Okay, so basically you belch out a good old amount of steam and it hits the ice, immediately becomes more dense, turns into a liquid, and then becomes more dense and turns into a solid reinforcing the outer layer of the ice with more ice. Excellent. Yes. Uh, the wolf uh, standing behind you kind of whimpers uh, for you. Like, that didn't go well. I'm gonna say something along the lines of fascinating. <laughs> um, since that doesn't seem to have worked. Huh. I'm thinking I have a boomstick. You do. You have a large boomstick. Can I basically do like a quick blast and have to, I'm thinking like a jet stream type of thing. So like a, like a high water. pressure, warmer water meeting this cold, yeah. solid. Try to pressure cut through it. I realize I am going to have to reload every other turn, but yeah. You know, technically, as an escape artist, escaping things and breaking into things are kind of a similar tactic. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to compel you as an escape artist to basically try and figure out how to enter this wall. Almost as if where you are, the outside, is what you're trying to escape, right? Yes. So um, I'm going to compel you to think of a way to do that. And if that way that you thought of is with the bim stick, then go ahead and open up that can of whoop-ass. Let's give it a roll. Okay. We're going to drop that. So, um, basically using that off clever, you're still trying to use a scientific mind to find a way around this? Yes. Oh my god. Okay, so um, yeah, you you open up your your hydro cannon and uh, you brace yourself and you basically turn the dial up to five, not all the way to eleven. You don't want to oh, cause a cave in. Plus two, so it's seven. Seven. So you turn the dial up to seven. 
not all the way. You don't know what it's going to do. You don't want to cause a cave-in on yourself or kill the dog that's been following you around that you haven't named yet. Um, and uh, you, you let loose this constant high-pressure stream of, of warmer water. Not hot water, but just a warmer water than what the, the cold ice is made out of. And you time your blast so that right as this thud on the other side of the wall hits and you see the cracks start to form, you hit it with this jet stream. And it starts to cause it to crack even further until there's a nice little view that you have. But you can't tell what's on the other side. You can tell that this is a very thick wall, all right? And, and as it is not freezing back over yet, there is just this nice, uh, I'd say about two feet in diameter, straight through this hole. <laughs> um, can I see what's been hitting the other side of the wall? Like I said, this is a very thick wall, so even though you have a field of vision, you by the time that your eye catches the other side, it's so focused in on this small hole that it's not going to be able to clearly see okay. what's on the other side. But you are hearing more now, this louder thud. I mean, it, now that you've, you've got this opening, it is cracking down like the sound of a, a jackhammer. Um, I'm going to do my reload and prepare to do it again. A little bit further down the crack. Okay. Well, you've reloaded. That's that's where we're at right now. Uh, can't use it until you've gonna. You gotta try something else in between. Yeah. Uh, um. You said it's about how thick the wall it's is. About two inches in. Oh, the the wall. You're looking at probably ten feet. You'd have to travel. But it doesn't look like it's closing back up yet? Not yet. I mean, you can tell that the, the crystallization of the ice is starting to creak and crack. It's making that hissing noise all around the edges as if it's trying to heal itself. Um, trying to decide if... The fact that I have... That my mutation is a water form. Uh-huh. Is it possible that I could try to like pour myself through there? This would be the first uh, time that I've actually gone full water from. If you want to try that, if I'll I'll tell you what, you roll a clever, and if you succeed with style, I'm gonna give you that. Should I want to before you roll those? Yeah. I'm sure. No negatives. Five. Five. Um, I'll say that that's uh, succeeding with some style. <laughs> you're, you're like a, a, a pimp in the 1990s still dressing like it's the 70s. You have style. It's just out of place, right? So uh, you concentrate, right? And you're sitting there and you're getting yourself into a meditative stance 
and you basically just thinking about <laughs> like uh, like Senator Kelly in the X Men movie, right? Just trying to force your head into it. <laughs> really, okay. So, uh, but as you're doing this, uh, something clicks in your mind. Mm-hmm. Something just makes sense, and all you can think of is wanting to be on the other side of this wall. For some reason, you just you really want to know. You really just want to be on the other side of this wall. Could be your death. Who knows? But uh, you feel yourself loosen up. And then uh, from the dog's perspective, it watches you as you leave behind the majority of your armor and your clothing and your boomstick. Mm-hmm. And you turn into a liquid state and you flow through this, this tunnel way that you've made and come out the other side with few garments that have gone with you. I'll, I won't let you be completely naked, but... Um, I was going to armor up if I had to once I got to the other yeah, side. Yeah, you're on the other side and you've got barely anything left. But you are on the other side and uh, what you see standing before you is a large individual. A very big man, probably seven feet in stature. Uh, covered in a red cloak. Okay. Um, and he's got uh, armor and leather straps. You can, you can tell that maybe at one point in time he was a warrior, okay. but he has hooded himself in a cloak, and he is taking his fist, and he is beating it against this, this ice wall. So that was his fist that was doing cracks all over the other side. Yes. I... I... <laughs> I'm going to... As in nautical terms for yes. yes. <laughs> I say out loud... I am going to adventure a guess that you are Thor. None use that name anymore. I am unworthy of that name. But you were Thor. Who once was or who is now makes no difference, small man. I am no longer worthy. My name is the Odin son. Ymir told me that I might find Thor here. Said he was looking for a good challenge. Do you know where I could find a man who would be worthy? I've been seeking a man worthy myself. Whether he be inside me or inside you. Someone worthy must take up the mantle. And how would one do that? Ah, if I knew the answer to that, do you think I'd sit here wasting my time talking to you? Amir seemed adamant that someone rise up and be a worthy opponent. Ymir'll get his skull crushed in eventually in due time. Worthy or not, my fist will cave in his skull for what he has done to me and mine. Well, you'll have to get out of here first. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Over there, you've got rocks and you've got metal, and over here, you've got the densest ice in the world, and over there is boiling pits of lava. You pick a path and tell me which way to go, little man. 
filling pits of lava sounds particularly unpleasant. And as you're doing this, you can hear this clanking and pings almost on the other side of the metal and rock wall. <laughs> Not quite sure what's going on. A little spark maybe flying out of the metal on one side. I would guess that the metal would not heal itself as the ice seems to be. Hey, you want me to bend the metal for you, or are you gonna show me that you're stronger than me? Perhaps together we could punch a hole through one. Do you know what happened last time I worked with someone? I'm assuming you ended up here. Ah, oh, nay. I ended up in Midgard, on the planet I assume you're from by a judge of your little pink skin looking like a baby's bottom. Yeah, blue hair. Blue skin giants, blue hair, regular you. Uh, anyway, back where we were. Let me tell you what you look like as you've seen no mirrors in, in due time. Um, blue hair, yes. Um, blue skin, but I'm going to go with pink skin because that just works well with what he's trying to say right now. I'm going to explode this jar of crystals up and take it away from you for questioning me. Um, <laughs> I've got one. You've only got one left. You better use it wisely. Oh, well, give, give it up. Give it up. You, you do deserve it. You're not worthy of this crystal. Joker. Midnight Joker. Um, anyway, where uh, Odin's son was, judging from the way you look, you remind me a lot of an old friend of mine, Anthony. And I once went to Midgard to assist him, because he asked for my help. Let's work together, he said. Let's be a team, he said. Let's do things for the betterment of mankind, he said. And it's been my long-going hobby to help you average humans try to succeed in some way. So I say to Anthony, I say, sure, let's drink a lot of mead and let's do this working together thing. But then this madman comes along and says, I control metal. I want to control the world. I'm going to shift the polar balances of this place if you don't bow before me. And what does he do to my friends? He kills them. One by one. So what kind of god am I if I can't save them? How worthy must I be if I can't even defeat one madman? So you know of Magneto? You know of madness. I do. I have not met him. Ah, well you best hope you never do. Because if he doesn't stab you in the back with floating metal, then he'll stab you in the front with floating metal and tell you it was your own damn fault. That sounds like the voice of experience. Hey, I've been I've been around for a while. Four thousand five hundred years I've been walking. And in that time I've only known one creature more devious, more sinister, and more backstabbing than that Magnus. And that creature is my own little frickin' brother. And by the time I get my hands around his skinny girdle of a neck, I'm gonna wring it until his head pops off. 
and then I'm going to take his head and I'm going to punt it against a wall until there's a nice big red blue stain and then I'm going to use that for target practice as I pee upon the remains of his body. <laughs> that sounds well thought out. I've had time. And I will do this. And you, since you have this little wow, uh, way of becoming a puddle and then being a puddle man of whatever you are, you're going to help me get out of here. And when I get out of here, I am going to smash things like, like one who smashes. I don't know. I've never met anyone who smashed yet, but I will smash with the best of the smashers. Excellent. While he's been talking, Mighty, one might say. I'm gonna use the fact that I am an escape artist to look around. Yeah. Since yeah. the three paths that he listed seem impassable. Uh huh. And I'm gonna look for another way out that's okay. not those paths. Well, you know those Scandinavians and Celts, they love their, their threes. Yes. So they may be only three. Uh, but. How about you roll a clever and see if you notice anything? I'm thinking straight up, but I rolled a five. Five. Uh, so basically, you look around, you notice that that uh, that diameter of a hole that you came through. It's getting smaller. It's getting smaller. Yeah, definitely getting smaller. And you notice that the lava is very friggin' hot. And you notice that there's the rock wall with the metal. And you look down and you notice that that's just solid grit and ground. And you know that whatever is too far below that, as you saw this, this asteroid floating uh, when you first approached it, would most likely be dead space. Yeah. Um, which left you with only one direction left to look. And you look straight up and notice that it is just a golden uh, metal covering the ceiling um, of this place. Uh, but as you notice that from the golden metal that you see, you see uh, an electric charge sparking off of it. And as your eyes guide down back towards the metal and rock wall, there seems to be spots of sparks and electric charges flowing off of it. I'm gonna ask him what those sparks, what those electric charges do. If he has any idea. He looks over and he says, At one point in time, they would have been my mistress. I am the god of thunder. Maybe. Hmm. And as he starts to think, you can see there's a spark in his eyes. Literal. Literal spark in his eyes. Um, and some charges coming off of his fist as he starts to flex every muscle in his body. He's gritting down, gritting his teeth, barreling from the ice wall at full force. He runs and as he pulls his fist back, you can see a charge of lightning flowing forth and he smashes his fist into the wall where all of this electric charge seems to be attracted to and then he dissipates his electricity into the wall, which charges back. And on the other side of that wall, Jewel is standing and feels the reverberation of this electricity. And as it starts to come through, 
It's it's almost like uh, like it's beckoning you. It's like a charge. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, with her previous attempts failing, she's going to attempt this next thing. Um, so she's going to actually get as much distance from the door as she can. Um, and then she is going to um, use her, her metal disc and all the powers that she has. She's going to ram using her electromagnet to shoot her and this disc at as fast as speed as she can get. So, you are you are flying away at full speed on your your hover disc at this door, and just before I hit the door, I'm going to jump off of the disc using my feet to give it an extra push into this door, and I'm going to call out. <clears throat> if you're truly the god of thunder. Where are thou? You want respect. Because... From this, you want so much respect from this, you want to be respected because you can do something that even this creature cannot do. Yeah. You mean this door? No, whatever's on the other side. Okay. okay. You want to you compete. Yeah. You want to be better. Alright, so... So give me a roll for a flashy show of your best capabilities. Oh, I can't make it quick. So that's why I was really going for it quick. Um, using, using my, all right. Use your using speed. my disc, my speed. Use your speed with your amplification. Uh, remember that you've oh, got yeah. amplified and, speed. And I'm gonna hit that flux capacitor too as I'm. Doing it's just it's just giving you a residual charge of speed. You don't even have to use the button for this. Oh, okay, cool. Um, you push that button, well, you go yeah, back yeah, in time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not that, but yeah. So, so I'm going to use that flux capacitor with my super speed. So it's going to be 7 plus my quick, which is 4, so 11 before I go off. Alright, 11. But like you said, I demand! Demand respect. That... This god of thunder can't be as good as me, the going true in. goddess of lightning. Okay, so you're coming in with the full lucky 13. Full lucky 13. All right, so basically you go to the very edge of the, of the corridor that you've, you've ventured into, and you hop on top of your disc. You're flying full speed. Electricity is Actually, just... Actually, wait, it should be 15. I forgot to put it in the calculation. 15. Okay, so all this lightning and electricity is bouncing off the disc, filling up, it's bouncing around the whole corridor that you're in. It's just like a freaking rave in here now. And all the dark souls of the elves watch on with these grinning faces as they see you do this. <coughs> and they're illuminated in the light. Malekith cackling in the background uh, that somebody's going to break this door down. Um, and as you close in, uh, playing chicken with a wall, uh, you, you jump off the disc and, and shoot forth uh, all of the electricity in your body and the charged up momentum into the disc, creating this full-on lightning strike. 
There's no other way to describe it like the lightning to end all lightning. Uh, this bolt is now traveling full force at the door. Whilst on the other side, Thor, or the Odin son, the unworthy one, has gone back to the ice wall, charging full force, force back uh, to the to the door again, and he just yells out, "Smash!" And he creates this big bolt of energy with his fist, and at the same time. Both of these railing forces of energy collide on this one wall. All of the metal turning bright red, hot. All of the rocks smashing into small pebbles. And at that moment, there's just a crack of doom. If anybody's ever read a Thor comic book in their life, knowing that that is the noise that thunder makes. And it just makes this huge fluorescent blur of light. All of you are temporarily blinded by as the wall that has barricaded you uh, is incinerated. And uh, as, as your vision starts to come back and you're seeing things fading in and out, uh, there you stand. I'm still kind of crackling with some like the leftover. Yeah, you're, you're kneeling down on the ground. You're kind of flowing over with electricity. You're still uh, shaken by the force that was released. You're on the other side on your butt, uh, kind of against the ice wall for support mm -hmm. as the only person who stands upon their feet is the Odinson. And he looks forward and he says, I, you that little girl, who be you? And what gives you the great power? I am Jewel. I assume you are the son of Odin? Aye, my name is Odin, so it's kind of in the name. <laughs> my father was Odin, the great creator of mankind. Well, it seems the true goddess of thunder has set you free. Mm. You know, I like your attitude. Not many people can brag as much as a god, or more. But you, you bring bragging to a new level. Come, join Odinson as we go to kill my brother. That we shall. Tell me, have you seen my brother? Oh. I have, and I have not. Aye, so you brag and you've got the power of the gods, but you're confused. Your mind has gone addled. No. I have seen your brother, as she does air quotes, looking similar to a female, as voluptuous as myself. A voluptuous female? Beautiful? You heard me. That does not sound like my brother. No, but, uh... He's pale skin, pasty, kind of skinny, scrawny, likes like a rat. Got the face like a... Like a rat. No. But he does have these golden horns. That, that sounds like my brother. 
Holy hell, what is that behind you? Is that Scourge? Um, the traitorous Scourge, yes. Traitorous? Before the ice wall can completely close back up, I'm going to tell the wolf to go back and let Emir know that uh, I was successful. It, it starts to scurry off with the little blue I just sprite. Sitting there. Yeah, guarding your stuff. Yeah. Poor wolf left all alone. Yeah, it's good of you to remember that there is a companion of yours. <laughs> Alright, so the two of you stand uh, with this red-cloaked individual calling himself the Odinson. And you know the way back to the castle. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously, y'all are going to work your way back out of that crag uh, as Hydro kind of contemplates asking you whether or not you'd like to take a few days' journey around to the other side of the castle and get your stuff back. <laughs> Uh, but then he kind of rethinks it and says, I'm just going to follow this guy that seems to be on an immediate quest to kill his brother. Uh, where you come to the front gates as you've, you've climbed uh, As up. we're leaving the cave, I point to Malik, the dark elf that was all disfigured. He's the one that told me that, you know, Loki was female and male. Oh, Malekith. You've gotten the fight which you deserved. <laughs> God of Thunder, bring an end to this all. Break the cycle and form Ragnarok for all of us. Thor just kind of stops for you. Odin son stops forward and says, I'll do what I want. And then uh, you all climbed uh, back up the crag until you've gotten to the, the front bridge. Oh, and fine. you've Glide. You glide. You glisten. Um, you've come to the front uh, entryway to the castle where the three decaying corpses are chained above the entryway. And as... Since I wasn't wearing anything, really... You want to put armor on? Probably grab Scourge's armor. Oh, you want to put on Scourge's armor? Okay, so... Uh, as y'all are moving ahead, uh, Hydra's taking a second to strip a dead, uh, decapitated corpse and put on its its outfit. Mm -hmm. um, Deserves it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so there's now a <laughs> naked decapitated corpse in the in it's the not hallway. Using it. Um, <laughs> not even decapitated. Really, like half his face is yeah, just chopped off. So uh, it is. You know, but I bottom mean, jaw's still there. Tongue's like hanging, flapping around. Um, as as Hydra's just like stripping the armor off of him. However, when y'all come to the front doorway, uh, there's a, an obvious pause uh, for the Odinson as he takes one knee and bows his head before the three decaying corpses and says, Bravos, vengeance will be ours. Thank you for listening to another episode of Saturday Night Gaming. Be sure to like, share, and follow us 
on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, and now on iTunes and Google Play.